contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Brad Hebner, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric Triplett, and welcome to Hammer and Grind, the podcast built for contractors, real contractors, true stories, real solutions. Hey, when the podcast is over, do us a favor, leave us a review, let us know how we're doing. We want to hear from you. Tell us uh, if we're doing good or bad. Also, if you are new here, we do have a uh, community that you can connect with, other like-minded contractors. It's a, a free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Group, and uh, you can get some free information, some tips and tricks, and then, like I said, talk with other contractors. If you're looking to step up your game and get some more uh, one-on-one and personal type coaching practice with other elite contractors, uh, you can check out our group called the Profit Club. You can find out more about that at hammerandgrind.com forward slash the Profit Club. Today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a super important topic, and that is job costing. Silence, dead. You could hear a pin needle drop. Job costing. Because it's a it's a blessing and a curse. It's like, it's a blessing because it tells you everything you need to know, and it's a curse because it's a pain in the ass to do it. And that's why most contractors just fly by the seat of their pants. Eric, I've been in business 11 years, I'm in, or I'm in my 11th year, and two years ago, I didn't even know what job costing was. Well, you're not alone. A lot of contractors have no idea. I'd be a liar if I told you I, I've been doing job costing for 20 years. You know, it's one of those things where you do it, and then you're like, okay, I feel like I'm making money, and then you scale your business, and it changes, and then you think you can just fly by what it used to be, but things have changed, and so, you know, prices change, and so you just you kind of get glazed over. But a lot, a lot of contractors have no idea. There's probably contractors that have gone through their entire career and lived and died by their own sword and never even learned what job costing was. And that's a shame. Yeah, there's different uh, words for it. I know there's another guy out there on the internet talking and he, the first time I heard him talk about it, I was like, what do he say? So there's probably some different terminology behind it. But we're going to break it down here today, what uh, job costing is. Uh, we're going to talk about what is it, first of all, why it's important, and then we're going to talk about how to do it. So let's get into what is it. I mean, what what is job costing, Eric? This was a real eye-opener for me, and I hope this hope this like kicks this whole thing off. It basically is like what, how much it costs you to put whatever product you are selling or delivering or producing in someone's yard. And in the easiest, easiest, most simplest sense is you redo a kitchen, like how much did it cost you to put in their, in their house? And what happens is it's like, oh, well, I got workman's comp and my labor and I had, you know, five guys for three days and then 10 guys for 17 days. And I had the Home Depot bill and I had this bill and that bill and like, you know, and then my office helped out and you know, then I ran into trouble and then I had to hire a plumber to bail me out. And like, the reality is how much did it cost you to put that kitchen in that person's house? That's how much it costs. That's job costing in the most simplistic thing. It gets complicated when you try to, you have all these moving parts and the the word problem and the mathematical problem becomes so complicated. You lose sight of just how much did it cost you to build that kitchen in that person's house? 
Yeah, but there's probably some contractors here saying, well, I don't know what you mean. Like when I did the estimate, like I know what I'd estimated, you know, I estimated 60 hours and $3,000 in materials. So it cost X amount. Like that's how much it cost me. But did you track it? Did you, did you like confirm that that's the case? Did you see, here's the problem. Contractors are moving so fast and they have so much coming at them and there's so much, you know, like, you know, Hey, my girlfriend's sick. I can't come to work today. So the employee, this, and like they, they're always scrambling. And when the job is over, they're already like, I got to get to the next job. You know, I, I, my gut says we did okay. Let's, you know, just move on to the next job and let's not track it. And that's where the, the big failure comes in because you don't really know what, what you did. And it, it's like, it's the baseline for everything that a contractor is doing from the future, for, from then on out. It's the baseline. You need to know the numbers. Yeah. So when we talk about job costing, we're basically talking about at the end of the project, looking at all of your expenses and your cost and what it took to build the job and essentially subtracting that from the profit. And what's left over is, you know, kind of what you get. So we're talking about on the back end, after the job's finished, after all the expenses are paid, the bills are paid, your vendors are paid, subcontractors are paid, you got the final check, everything's done, there's no other expenses or nothing else going on, you go back over the project and you look at everything, right? So that's basically what job costing is. I mean, it's it's looking at all of the details of everything you said, like the Home Depot and the, you know, all of that, like that's that's what it is. And going back and looking at looking it all over and really tearing it apart. It's not even just looking at it. It's if you bid 60 hours and you end up doing 80 hours. Well, why? You know, what I mean, why did it take you 80 hours? Was it because you underbid it? Was it because your guys screwed around for two days? You know, was it because unforeseen things that rained and you got muddy and so it slowed everything down? Like what what caused that to happen? And that's part of the how you do it aspect. And I don't we're not going to get too deep into it right this second. But at the basic level, job costing is looking at the job after you're done with it and figuring out what it costs you to build it. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, a lot of contractors just work off their gut. That, I mean, that's the reality because that's what I did. I guarantee that's what you used to do, Brad. You work off your gut. Like you bid it, like, oh, I'm going to do really well right here. And like you either kick ass and you don't check the numbers because you're like, I killed it. I freaking crushed this job. You know, I got it done way faster than I thought. I bid it high. I'm, I feel amazing. I crushed it. And then then there's the flip side of that. It's like, oh my God, I'm getting my ass kicked. I got to get out of this job. What's the fastest route to, to, you know, move on to my next project so I can, you know, recover. And then you, you're like, oh, I know I got my ass kicked on that job. I don't even want to check the numbers because it'll make me mad. I'm just going to get onto this next job and hopefully make a recovery. So I think there's a distinction between, hey, I'm just going to go off my gut and I'm actually going to, you know, sit down and check it out. And that's really a big factor for us right here. Well, yeah. And so we're getting into why it's important. Like you touched on it, like to know, you know, did you get your butt kicked? Did you make good money? But it not only does it, 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 it uh, tells you on that one job, like, oh, I made, you know, X percentage on this job. It also tells you which jobs are more profitable, right? So now you can look at your jobs. Let's say you offer 
10 different services. Doesn't matter what you do. You offer 10 core services. Well, maybe three of those you're always super profitable on. You always end up at a, you know, 55, 60, 65% gross profit when you're done. And four of those out of the 10 you usually end up around 45, 47% gross profit. Well, why would you want to keep doing the ones that are not making you as much money? Exactly. But I mean, a lot of that's to fill in the gaps, right? But, you know, you're talking, you're talking like rainbows and unicorns here because I'm, I'm, I promise you right now, I promise you, Brad, a lot of our listeners, they're like 45 to 65% gross margin. That's a freaking pipe dream. You know, a lot of contractors are working on smaller numbers than that. I've had, I've had communications with contractors that are, that are bidding at 25 to 35% gross profit. And then, they get into trouble and then they don't want to double check their stuff. And like, so imagine that for a second, you know, if you're bidding at 50% gross margins, you get into trouble, you end up at a, you know, 35, 40% gross margin. It's not a disaster, but if you're bidding at 25 to 35% gross margin and you run into trouble, it's a, that's a tough, that's a tough road. That's a tough lifestyle. Well, for sure. We, I mean, we're not even getting into if, if everything goes south which <laughs> the problem, I mean, I don't, I mean, especially with remodeling, like it hardly ever goes the way it's supposed to. You know what I mean? There's always some kind of cost overruns. There's labor. You open a wall up, there's termite damage. There's no insulation. Now you got to add insulation. Like there's all, there's always something that can get into cost overruns and just eat up all that profit. So when you're, you know, when you're trying to be competitive, and, you know, compete with another estimate and you're sharpening your pencil, all those sayings that people like to say, and then you're like, okay, I, I think I can, if everything goes right, I can do it for 40%. Like I can still make money at 40%. Mm-hmm. And then you get in there and start it, you win the job and you get in there and it doesn't go right. Like you said, and then you end up walking away at, you know, 29% gross profit. You would have made more money sitting at home watching yeah. TV than you did going out and working for three weeks on that job. Jump off a bridge. <laughs> you know, listen, there's always exceptions to the rule, right? I mean, if you're, if the phone's not ringing and you need to put food on the table and you got to do the job at, you know, 40% gross profit, that's totally different. Yeah, for sure. Listen, um, roll with me on this one for a minute. I, I hope this works out okay. Here's a question, <laughs> and I hope this analogy comes out right. Have you ever found yourself like 20, 30, some odd pounds overweight, like fat and sassy? Just give me a yes or no. Yes. Nice. That's amazing. So, like, look, listen, I have two. So here's what's happening. When you look at yourself in the mirror every day, you don't see the half a pound here, the one pound there, the end of the week, you're two and a half pounds up. And all of a sudden, you know, six, eight, 12 months later, you're 25, 30 pounds overweight and you don't even realize it until you see a photograph or someone you haven't seen in 12 months is like, bro, what's up? The hamburgers, you need to line up on those hamburgers and fries, right? Yeah. This is what's happened, right? Blizzards, blizzard ice cream. Blizzard ice cream. Okay. Yeah. So this is what happens. This is what I believe happens to so many people. We get caught in this trap. I got caught in this trap. Number one, I did the same thing. I got married. We had these big dinners every night. We watched movies. We got fat together. You know, 
a contractor in the beginning, most of the contractors that are coming up, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I know that are our peers and our colleagues and in our groups and that we're coaching, they come up by themselves. They get an apprentice. They get things figured out. They're making great money. They're making great money. They, they've kind of figured it out. But then they get to a point where they need to hire someone. And then, and then that changes the perspective. And then they're still bidding as if they were by themselves. And then they have to have an office manager. And then they take on more expense and they have to get another truck. And then, But they're still going off their gut intuition from when they were solo, when they were a solopreneur. And now, you know, that entrepreneurship kind of escalates and they start to scale. And they don't even realize they're doing it. And the problem is it's happening so gradual and the expenses are hitting their, their job so gradual that they don't even really realize it. And then they were making 40, 50, 60% gross profit. And all of a sudden they're doing the same jobs and they're doing, they're making 25, 30% gross profit, but they don't even realize it until someone catches them and says, how much money did you make on that last job? And he's like, well, well, I don't, I mean, I usually do pretty good. Like, well, what's usually, well, what's pretty good? Like how much did you actually make? Well, I always, I always make pretty good money. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm doing well. Like, what is well? What is well? Give us the number. Did you make 25% margin or did you make 50? What did you make? Give me the number. That's true. When you first start out, you know, you're bootstrapping it, right? You probably got no trucks, few tools, and you're going out there and just hustling. And you're, you know, you're doing these jobs that maybe you're only charging 40 bucks an hour. Like I did when I started, not knowing anything about you know, extra costs. And then you start making some progress in your business and then you, you get a little busier and then you realize, Oh, I need some type of, you know, software to help manage all this. So you go get a monthly subscription. That's 50 bucks a month. And then you got to get QuickBooks to help it. And that's 70 bucks a month. And then you do this and that, and you add this. And before you know it, you just added $600 a month in expenses, but you're not, you're not looking at your numbers and you're not, realizing that that $40 an hour that you started with charging is no longer making enough money, right? But if you don't go look at your jobs and you don't go and you look at all your numbers and figure all this stuff out, you can think that you're doing well. And then you look at your numbers and realize you're actually losing money. And that's a pretty crappy place to be in. (laughs) Well, I mean, to piggyback what I was saying is like a lot of these people we've talked about in other podcasts is like becoming going from a craftsman to an entrepreneur or a businessman. You know, you're making 25 bucks an hour working for another company. And then you're like, I could do better. I could do this on my own. This is, you know, how I want to do it. And then suddenly you're bidding these projects and you're bidding them out at like 60 bucks an hour. And you're like, dude, I'm crushing it. I used to make 25 an hour. Now I'm making 65 an hour. So in the beginning, that really translates well. That does make sense in the beginning. But as that craftsman that turns businessman or woman, and suddenly they need to like add staff or add software, like you said, or add apprentices and buy other trucks and all those things that starts to add up, but they, it doesn't always translate well in their estimating process. And that's where some of the difficulty comes in. And that's why I was saying, it's like, hey, you got the perfect body weight. You feel like a rock star. And then suddenly 12 months later, you're 30 pounds overweight. You didn't even realize it happened because, you know, so many things are happening. It's so dynamic when you're running a business and, you know, managing all this stuff. That's, that's what I'm trying to say with that analogy. So why is this important? I mean, we, we're, we're kind of on the edge of it. And I don't think we've actually labeled it as the why it's important. It's 
the only way you can know where to go in the future is by knowing where you went in the past, right? If I dropped you, Eric, out in the middle of the desert and said, all right, you know, make it back to where you're, you know, make it home, find your way back. Well, how in the hell are you going to know where to go if you don't even know where you're at? You know what I mean? Like you're just lost. Sure, you could do some crazy sunshade, you know, put a, a stick up in the air at noon and time it and figure out which way is north, south, east, and west. But you won't you won't know if you got to go five miles or five hundred miles. And if you do, do you need to take more water, less water, more food? Like how how do you gonna know what to do? Yeah, I was immediately like, dude, I would watch the sunset, I'd see the stars up, I'd look for the north star, and I'd be rolling, I'd be tight. But I mean, that's that's really what it's all about. Like. You know, so many contractors, and it's it's part of the way, you know, the way I do my estimates and the way I communicate with my clients, you know, I, I can give a free estimate because a lot of the stuff, because we are niche, and I think a lot of the contractors that we deal with are in their own, in their own areas, but, you know, there's a lot of different ways to build ponds, but we've been doing it long enough to where I can say, hey, this pond is very similar to the Johnson Project. This feature that they want to add on is very similar to what we did at the Robinson project. And the two of them combined, you know, and then I can like reflect back. And if I did my due diligence and I estimated correctly on the Johnson and the Robinson project, and then after completion, I job costed and tracked what I did at those projects. And I know where I landed. Did I crush it? Or did I hit my baseline at 50% where my baseline is? Or did I run into trouble and why did I hit, you know, 33%? And that gives me my baseline on my future projects when I'm communicating with his clients. And so that's really the reason why it's so important. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why it's important. Because if you know your baseline on the projects you've completed in the past, then you can use that as a tool for estimating your projects in the future. Yeah. And so going back to what I said earlier, you do a job, you bid it for 60 hours, and then you end up at 80 hours, right? You go back to your team. We have team meetings after the jobs are over. We have weekly meetings. And I say, okay, remember the Johnson project? Yep. Okay. So we had 60 hours scheduled. We actually ended up at 80. What happened? And they said, well, whenever we got there, the uh, materials weren't on site yet. And so we sit around, We actually had to sit around and wait for two hours for them to get there. Okay, so now I can make a note. Well, maybe, maybe the next time I need to have the materials delivered the day before, right? Or kind of work through that. Okay, well that's two hours. Where's the other eighteen hours that were over? You know, well you you know you had ten hours figured for this, and it actually took fifteen. And I think ten is probably a little low. Okay, so I underestimated it. So maybe next time we do this thing, I need to add an extra five hours because I'm in my mind, I think it should take longer than what it actually does or take less time than what it actually does. And you just go through this with your team and then you can actually break out what's going on because you need to know if it was that you underestimated it or there are other circumstances that caused that. Was your team dragging their feet? Did you not have enough people on there? Like what caused it, right? Because the next time you do that project, you can figure that out. I'll tell you a story what I'm talking about. I did a bathroom remodel. This was several years ago, five or six years ago. And at the time I had like priced it higher than what I normally would have. You know, I was taking that leap of faith of I'm going to add an extra few thousand dollars onto this project. And when the job was all said and done, I didn't make any more money. And I'm like, what in the heck is going on? 
And before I even knew what job costing was, I still knew like to, to track receipts and expenses because I, it's easy to track material costs because you know, if you, you know, if you bid it for $10,000 in materials and there's $12,000 in materials, you can go back and look at it. Well, I wasn't over on material costs, but I always have my guys turn in receipts from whenever they go to the store. And I, I put them in a folder, a job folder, and I'm going through there and looking and I counted and there were 25 receipts from Lowe's. That's 25 trips to the store. And this job was outside of the city limits. So it was like a 20 minute, at least 20 minutes in. So it was, it was basically a one hour round trip. So I had 25 hours just in trips to the store. That's awesome. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, not even if you didn't know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there were some inefficiencies there that we had to work on. Clearly, but having that having that realization of holy crap, we're we just wasted like twenty five hours on trips to the store, and it would be like, I look at the receipt and it was one plumbing fitting or one, you know, one fitting, and I could put two and two together and be like. They went out there, ran into a problem, went in town, got the part they needed to fix it, went back, and then ran into another problem and had to go back to the store again to get another part. You know what I mean? Like just some inefficiencies there. So if you don't job cost that, you're not going to catch up on stuff like that. Well, that's when it starts to be like, okay, how can I outfit my rig? How can I outfit my trailer for some emergency stuff? You know, that's the data that you need to make some decisions on the way you run your crews the way you outfit the stuff. So, I mean, that could have been the estimator's problem. Like they didn't estimate stuff correctly. And like for me, you know, for me, we don't run into sprinklers that often, but when we do, I know I need half inch parts this, I need risers there, I need a new sprinkler head, I need some caps, I need some plugs, you know. So after many times of doing that, now my rig is outfitted for that stuff. So when they run into those problems, the only reason I could kind of do that is because I've evaluated the project after the completion. And so that's through job costing. You see little pictures like that. But I I can't emphasize enough about how stressful it can be to run a business and to be like, oh, well, I got the cell phone and I got the the trip to Home Depot and then the Home Depot receipts and then this and then that. It's like, oh, well, I did this on my labor and my payroll and then and then I had the fuel. Yeah, I had to put gas in the truck and then I had to buy a new tool because of this. And when you have all that, all that on the wall, it's hard to really, you know, you just see all the expenses and the numbers start to blur, you know, and for me, my eyes start to turn white and I just go, oh my God, it's just spending so much money. But it's like, how much money did it cost? So now when I build a pond for someone, I can sit back and go, it cost me $12,000 to deliver that pond into the person's backyard. It cost $12,000. So it's it's really interesting because now when, you know, like a friend, you know, hits me up, it's like, hey, dude, I want to get a pond. Maybe you can come and do an event in my backyard and, you know, we'll get some marketing done for it and this and that and the other. And they tell me what they want. In my head, I immediately go, that's going to cost me 12 grand because I've done enough job costing all these projects that I know what it costs me to deliver the product. And again, I can't emphasize it enough. It didn't cost you like two Home Depot runs and then five man days and, you know, the, the pond kit and then the stone and then the gravel and then the aquatic plants and then the mulch and then the topsoil. Like, no, it cost me $12,000 to put that product in the person's yard. And once I snapped that into my brain, 
that was a big moment for me. I, I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And there's, I can tell you right now, there's probably two things that 95% of contractors don't even figure into their estimates when they do it. And you would find this out if you're actually job costing. And that is one, tool replacement cost, and two, blades, circular saw blades, sawzall blades, those freak, I don't know if you've seen them, but those multi-tool blades, those things are freaking expensive. They're like $15 a piece. Yeah, they're proud of those things. So... If you're doing, you know, I, let's just say you have a job where you use a circular saw, like a lot, you know, almost every day, and it, it costs $200 to buy that, to replace that saw. Well, and you get 40 jobs on average before you have to buy a new one. If you don't know that, that you don't know that you need to add $5 to every job just to replace that circular saw, but, right? Yeah, that's a big point. I mean, if, if I'm going to break up my concrete saw to, to cut some concrete, that blade's 100 bucks. You know, so like if I'm bidding a project, I'm going to be like, I need a hundred bucks for a, a new blade. You know, it's the, it's the whole mentality of sharpen the saw. You know, I could probably use the saw blade that I have on there and, you know, it's going to take me longer and the guy's going to, you know, it's going to dust out the area longer because it's going to take, let's just, I'm going to get a new blade. I'm going to cut it quick and efficiently. We're going to bang it out and we're going to go. So a lot of times I have, there's certain cleaning supplies that I need for, you know, this expanding waterfall foam that I use and to build waterfalls and so forth. And it's like, you know, it's 25 bucks a can. If I use two on a project, it's $50. And so you got a saw for a hundred, you know, you got a blade for a hundred, you got you know, cleaning products for 50, you know, all of a sudden, you know, all these things start to add up. You got a couple hundred extra bucks on there and you're not tracking that. So, you know, because of job costing, I become really proficient at saying, this is what it's going to cost me to put this product in the backyard from fuel to saw blades to cleaning products. And I'm glad you brought that up, Brad. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> a funny story. I had my several years ago, my cousin was helping me for a little bit of time during the summer and uh, he would use the multi-tool blades and he would use one like a brand new one. He'd be cutting stuff and he would use it for, you know, like one day he would use that blade. And then the next day he had to cut something. And if it didn't cut like perfectly, like it was a brand new blade, he would take it off, throw it away and grab another new blade. <laughs> I mean, he was he was burning through blades like it was candy. And finally I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like you went through 10 blades in, in two weeks and those things are 15 bucks a piece. Like, you know, he just burned like $200 in two weeks in blades. I was like, holy crap, you got to stop that. And you you only figure that out because of job costing, right? You're looking at the receipts and applying the, the expenses to the project, right? Actually, it wasn't because of job costing. It was because I was, I kept having to buy new blades. But if I was job costing, I would, I mean, back then when this was going on, I would have caught that way earlier. Right. It's so funny if you were looking looking at a job and all of a sudden you had a two hundred dollar expense for multi tool blades that you had no that you didn't you didn't calculate for. You're like, I spent two hundred in multi tool blades on the Johnson project. What is happening here? Yeah, absolutely. So the last thing is, and it's the most important, is how do you job cost? So, uh, Eric, just give us a general overview of of how you actually job cost. Don't go too deep in the weeds. I, I won't. I mean, I. I'm a little archaic. You might you might even laugh a little bit because currently as it stands, I don't have any crazy software. Of course, I I submit all my stuff to my office manager, 
any expenses. You know, if we go to Home Depot, they write this is the Johnson project on the receipt. In fact, at Home Depot, they won't even give my guys a receipt unless they ask for the job name. So that way I know that it gets applied to the project, right? Some of some of the my vendors aren't I don't I don't have that freedom, so I have to watch very carefully. So we would watch that. But I have a job folder a paper, an actual physical paper job folder for every one of my jobs. And inside that job folder, I have the contract, I have change order paperwork in case something comes up. Uh, If an inspector comes by anything, you know, someone wants to come and see the contract, I have it. If I have to talk to the client inside that job folder, uh, we track man days, we track daily expenses. So if I have a rock delivery, it would get noted in that folder, you know, Hey, how many guys we have on the job? Did we work overtime? Did we do, you know, whatever. And so we track it daily there. Now, for me, a lot of our projects are, you know, three to five days a week. It's pretty rare that we go into, you know, I'm working on a project right now. We're going to be there for three months. But for most of the time, I can kind of keep an eye on it within one week. And at the end of the week, the job gets done. We get paid. And I take all the receipts that are all calculated in there, all the expenses, all the man days, all the hours. And then I just kind of calculate it up. What did I sell the job for? How much did it cost me to put it in the backyard? Hey, it cost me $12,000 to put it in the Johnson backyard. I bid it at 24000 Hey, we did good. We have a sustainable business. Okay. So that is not even remotely close to what I was asking you to do. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. That, that's how we do it. We just track it in the papers, you know, like, no. And then I then I double check it. No, I don't mean like how you do it. I mean what like how do you actually job cost? Meaning, you look at your labor, you look at your total labor costs, you look at your total material costs, and you subtract that from your sold what you sold the job for. But that is how I track it. Everything's in that in that folder. So all no, I, all the yeah. content is in that folder. So I just want to be clear. I mean, there's you know mathematical problems. You go one way, the other way, you come up with the same uh, equation, you know, but or the same answer. But all of my expenses, all of my labor, all of my all of my what it costs me to build is in that folder. I just have to calculate it out and 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 then gauge that against what I sold the job for. Right. I'm talking about how do you like how do you calculate it. Everybody's going to have different ways of of tracking their expenses, whether you have a software or you do it on paper, manually, whatever. Everybody's going to have different ways of doing it. I'm talking about if somebody wants to start job costing, like how do they actually job cost? Not how do they figure up what it, you know, how much expenses they have. It's like, how do you come to your percentages? What percentages do you use? Like, how do you know if you, if you made money or not made money? That's what I mean. Like, how do you, the, the formula, the formula of how to figure out your job costing. I mean, the formula is add up your expenses and that's, and then what that total is what it costs you. So it's, it's a little tricky. So to break it down and break it out a little farther, cause you're like, don't go too deep in the weeds, Eric, you know, like, which is what you did. <laughs> listen, <laughs> for me, you know, I, I basically I'm in California, so we get taxed heavily. Right. So, you know, if I'm paying a guy 20 bucks an hour, I, have a general calculation that it cost me $10 an hour, you know, to do workman's comp and, and payroll expenses for that employee. So I know what my average wages are for all my employees, right? So I can track my man hours and then gauge that against my average of how much I pay my employees. 
add 50% of that for labor and burden. And then I can have like, hey, it cost me, you know, $7,000 in labor on this project. And then so that that's kind of the basics of it. it cost me $7,000 for my team to be there in that location. And then that's when I go, how much was the pond kit? How much was the rock? How much was the mulch? How much was the aquatic plants? Blah, 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 blah. Then I total all that stuff up. So it's just tracking those things. And so for each area that, that you might be in, you know, you're going to have a different labor and burden, but it's definitely something that you should know. You should have a grasp on that. So when, we, when we're looking at how much money you should make, you know, we look at the gross profit percentage or margin. And so essentially the easiest way to figure that up is you take your labor, let's say it's a thousand bucks, your material is a thousand bucks, that's $2,000. You take it times two, you should sell that job for $4,000. And if you hit those numbers, a thousand and a thousand, that means you're going to make a $2,000 profit or a 50% gross profit. Now that is not including what it costs you to put your lights on and to put, you know, buy paper for your printer and insurance for your business. Uh, Like that's, those things are not factored into that percentage. This is gross profit. After you take that 50% and then you subtract out all of your operating expenses of running your business and you end up with a net profit and that's how much money you actually made after all of that. But that's totally different for every business because some businesses are run very lean. Others are very, you know, have a lot of capital and they're very expense, you know, uh, burdened. So it's easier to look at it from a gross profit percentage. Now, you still have to know all your numbers and all your expenses. But when you're looking at the job, we're talking about what did it physically cost to build that job? Right. So in other words, take out all of your electricity and all of the things you had to have to keep your lights on and your, and your doors open for your business, take that away. And all we're looking at is that specific job. How many men did it take to build that job? If you have supervision, like uh, if you have, you know, project managers, you may have to figure out like how many hours they spend. If they're doing multiple projects and you're not tracking, you may need to start tracking how many hours they spend on each project because they may, you know, they may spend two hours out in the field, but they may spend another four hours in the office doing paperwork, right? And if you're not counting that four hours in the office doing paperwork for that project, it's not getting factored into that, to your expenses. And so there's lots of different things you have to track, but you're basically taking your labor, the materials, subtracting it from what you sold the job for, and that's your gross profit percentage. And we try to shoot for a 50% gross profit percentage. Sometimes we can get 60. When I do service work, I can get as much as 80% gross profit on some of those jobs. Now they're, they're lower dollar amounts, but you know, percentage wise, it's so much higher. That's what I mean by the formula. Well, that's a little deeper than I thought. I mean, that's in the weeds to me, Brad, just so you know. But Well, you're in a different kind of weeds. Yeah. Well, I am in, Cali- in, I'm in California, cat- bro. Well, well, you guys do things a lot different out there, so that makes sense. No, listen. Listen, you're basically like, what gross profit should we be shooting for and all this stuff? And the, over- the overhead is important because I think it's important for everyone to realize we're talking about job costing. That, has, that doesn't really have anything to do with overhead. Overhead's like a different bucket, if you will. It's over here on the right. We're going to go, sure. go out and build this project and we're going to charge a certain amount of money 
and we're going to make a gross profit. And then we're going to take the profits from that job and throw it in the, in the overhead bucket and, and, and fill the bucket up with, with gross profit until we break even. And then when we go past that, then we have the net profit, right? So that, that's kind of how that works out. So I, I guess it is kind of important to, to talk about that. But basically, job costing is not like, well, I have an office girl. What is that? It's like, no, no, it has nothing to do with office. You're going to make profit on this job. If you make $1,000 profit on this job, you're going to use that $1,000 to pay for your lights and your printer paper and your office manager and your that, that money goes to pay that. Now, if you don't have enough money, you better do another job. You need to go do a, m- multiple jobs this month to may- make enough money to pay for the overhead. But the job costing is how much you make per job. Yeah, and th- listen, that's we're not even going to get into it because it gets super deep. But I mean, if you did one job a week, let's just say you did one job on, on one day, you only worked one day and you made 50% gross profit, but you have your bills for the other five days, you're actually losing money in your business. Right. So it has nothing to do with like how much money your business is making. It's how much you're making on that job and whether or not you're hitting your, you know, what you need to hit. If you figure all this stuff out, you can start plugging in numbers in different locations and figuring out what you need to do. And we're not going to get into that on this podcast, but for job costing, total labor, total expenses, minus what you sold it for, that gives you your gross profit percentage your margin and uh and there you go that's it that's it that's a wrap it's simple i don't i don't know i feel like i don't know if we got the point across man i just people just don't realize how important this is it's super important listen if i if i could go back eight years ago ten years ago the one thing i would have done was job costing it's the single most important thing that i started doing in my business and I wish I would have done it 10 years ago. Now we're starting to talk right in there, Brad. Now you're getting, okay, now it's getting sexy. This is like, the, the, like, this is probably one of the most important things you can do. And the reason that you might be caught in this position with your pants down and you're not doing it and you feel like, you know, inadequate right now, it's because you slowly put on 35 pounds and you didn't realize it because you put on all this expense. Now wake the hell up. Smack yourself in the face a couple times, pour a bucket of ice cold water over your head and wake up, start job costing. It's really, it's like the baseline for your future and how you can estimate projects and be profitable and sustain your business. You know, it, it's really easy to get trapped in this, in this cycle. And so you're not alone. You know, the best of the best get caught in this. And then you know what they do? They figure it out and they start tracking their numbers. They start figuring out the job costing. And they realize if they underbid and they need to raise their next price on the next job so they can make enough money to support and be sustainable. So it is dire, paramount, important that you job cost every single project. Yeah, listen, we want you guys to be successful. So what we've done is put together a very simple job costing worksheet. I mean, you can make it super complicated if you want, but this is going to be a very simple one. It's on our website. You can go to uh, hammerandgrind.com forward slash job costing, J-O-B-C-O-S-T-I-N-G, hammerandgrind forward slash job costing and download that for you guys. And here, here's what's awesome, Eric, about job costing. You can go back two years ago and job cost your jobs as long as you have that information. You know what I mean? If you're tracking time for your guys and you're tracking expenses, you can go do all that. And so 
go back. Here's my challenge to everyone listening. If, if you're not job costing now and you want to start, don't wait until you do the next 10 jobs. Go back and job cost the last 10 jobs that you did and look at them. And as you do more and more of these, you can start tracking stuff. You can start realizing, oh, I made 25 trips to the store. I need to talk to the guys about being more efficient. Oh, I realize that we burn through our saws after every 40 jobs. I need to start charging $5 every job to cover saws. You start figuring this stuff out when you start job costing. For sure. You know, here's the thing. I talked to a lot of contractors. I just talked to someone the other day and I was like, what are you making? What's your gross profit per project? He's like, oh, I'm usually making 45, 55%, you know, gross profit on my jobs. I'm like, okay, cool. What was the last one? He's like, I'm pretty sure it was 45 or 50. I'm like, you're pretty sure? He's like, well, yeah. I'm like, did you put the numbers down? He's like, well, no. And I'm like, well, then how do you know? He's like, well, well, I'm pretty sure. I mean, there's the testimony to like, you're going off your gut intuition like you were when you were a solopreneur, like just grinding it out. And, and like, it doesn't work when you start to have employees and all these added expenses. So I'm super glad that Brad said, don't wait for the next 10 jobs. Back it out a little bit. Take a day off. Review the last one, two, three, four, ten jobs that you did and really evaluate it and share it with us. Hop on, send us a DM and on Instagram or, or Facebook and say, Holy shit, Brad, you were right. You were right. He hears that all the time. Except for his wife. She, he never hears that from his wife. But I mean, that's a different story. Sorry, Brad. All right. I think you've uh, hit the limit there, Eric. So, <laughs> hey, take us out of here. Hey, man. Thank you so much for lending us your attention and ears tonight. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as we are enjoying sharing this content with you. Please give us a review. Hit the subscribe button and smash that five-star rating. Uh, you know, it helps us in the positioning of the podcast and it helps us so much. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at hammerandgrind.com and we will catch you on the next download.